won't you tell me what happened? that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses, and reminisce about it. Then, we'll replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be riding our lunar whale to the moon and talking about Final Fantasy IV for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We have all the roles ready for this role-playing episode, so let's get our butts kicked by the boss. To the moon! <laughs> so we're on episode 25, which means it's uh, divisible by five, which means... It's Final Fantasy time! It's Final Fantasy time! Yay! Yeah, we, we got impatient and we wanted to get to some of the later Final Fantasies sooner, so we realized if we were waiting every 10 episodes, it would take forever, so we did it every five now, which also meant we played a lot of role-playing in a short amount of time. And we tried to coordinate this with our 24-hour stream with Halo, and then we are like, oh yeah, we'll just delay it a little bit, we got plenty of time. We did not have plenty of time. We need to add the narrator voice. They did not have plenty of time. So we rushed this one, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But we got there. We're on episode 25, which is really exciting. We'll talk about it a little bit at the end of the episode as well. But the next episode will be our one year anniversary. So that's also really exciting to get ready for. That is super exciting. We've almost been doing this for a year, which is kind of crazy. It, it is really crazy we've done this. We're almost 26 episodes, which is an episode every other week. It's really awesome. Before we get to that, though, we got to get to episode 25. So it's time yes. for video game trope of the day. Trope of the day. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, what is this episode's video game trope of the day? So our trope of the day is the party tourist or the guest star party member, depending on how you want to call it. This is when, in RPGs in particular, you have a character who temporarily joins your party. Sometimes you control them, sometimes they're controlled by the computer, but they're part of your actual party as you're playing through, and you get them for a short amount of time, and then for whatever reason, you lose them from your party. This is absolutely a staple in RPGs. It's all over the place. Final Fantasy VI. Final Fantasy IX, it definitely happens with Beatrix. Uh-huh. You know, Final Fantasy II, we talked about it. Yeah. In non-RPG terms, we have Star Fox 64. Cat shows up at one point and helps you out for a bit. That's not quite a typical yeah. party, but she's someone who only comes for, like, a couple of missions. Uh, you, you definitely see the people that are... They're quite often over-leveled and incredibly strong. Yeah. So it's really easy to lean on these characters that are briefly in yeah. your party. That or they have a particular skill that you need for whatever level dungeon area that you're currently in. Yeah. Like in 
Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, you get Princess Ruto through the third dungeon. She's with you the whole time because you need her to open certain things for you. And these people leave your party and half the time they take equipment with them if you're not careful, which we ran into in this episode's game multiple times. So, you know, it, it did happen in our game multiple times for Final Fantasy IV yeah. where Chris and I lost a ton of equipment with whatever party member leaves your party without warning. And we had many wonderful people with us over at Twitch who were helping us with the game and then purposely didn't tell us because they're like, that's part of the game. I was like, I hate yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and there are times where it seems like it's being set up, but it's not. Uh, the, the example that comes to mind for me is my favorite game, Final Fantasy Tactics, where Landu joins your party and is totally OP, but he stays in your party. So he's just completely OP mm. when you get him late game. And it's wonderful. Yeah. So sometimes it's not bad. I mean... And then there's other options like in games like Diablo 3 you have companions that can stay with you for a little bit and you have the option of have them permanently joining you, correct? But then you don't have to necessarily. Is that correct? Yeah, they're like mercenary types. That, that was in um, Diablo 2 as well. You could hire them and they would follow you around. Yeah. Sometimes you actually see this in first-person shooters as well mm. where you've just got uh, an extra person that's running next to you that is just wrecking face in, in halo you had the opposite but at the same idea you had the marines would join you occasionally for certain areas they didn't help yeah. necessarily but, but they, they were, were there. there they were just like hey i'm gonna hop into your warthog and we'll <laughs> we'll have some fun we'll have and then some all fun. of a sudden later on you're you're by yourself so a lot of the times it's it's interesting because it's they offer some help but then all of a sudden they leave for plot purposes and if you're not careful you are left absolutely high and dry yeah and especially if you aren't aware that they're going to be a guest character because you've become reliant on them because they're so overpowered because they're so op they yeah. leave and you're like oh i've been leveling them and they're gone cool awesome. yeah that is the worst in in rpgs when you're you're leveling and dumping equipment and spells into a character and then they leave yep. and it's just gutting the number of messages that we threw back and forth where it's like so and so left again it's like oh no i just spent so much gill on all his equipment and he left <sighs> so that is getting into some of the frustration we dealt with in the game but we need to actually get to the game before we can talk about that so our guest star party member our party tourist was our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Day, 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 day. So let's talk about the game of the episode, Katie. Final Fantasy IV, sort of, for the Super Nintendo. What can you tell us about Final Fantasy, air quotes, four? So... The game we are talking about, as Chris said, is Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy II in the U.S. This came out for the Super Nintendo in 1991, and it was developed by Squaresoft. Now, there were 
a bunch of different versions that have since come out since the game originally came out, but as well came out in a relatively short time back in the day. We're going to be focusing mostly on two versions, but really on there's three big versions that came out back in the early 90s. The first version was the original Japanese version that came out in the 1991. The second version is Final Fantasy II in the US, which was a simplified version of the game slightly changed some things around and the third was actually Final Fantasy IV Easy in Japan which is a super simplified version of the game that came out after the US one back in Japan. So where does the Steam remake fit into that? Because that's what I started with. So that comes down the line and that's more based on the Japanese version but they redid all the graphics and everything like that. So what, right. how we got the evolution of the versions is the original Japanese version came out. They wanted to port this particular game to the U.S., but they realized they never brought over Final Fantasy 2 and 3 at that time to the U.S. So they're like, this is actually the second game that will come out in the U.S. That's why Final Fantasy 2. But because it was right. only the second Final Fantasy to come out in the U.S., they're like, oh, American players haven't been learning how to Final Fantasy like <laughs> the Japanese players are. So that's why they simplified the game for the Japanese version. They took away the abilities that existed in the Japanese version. They simplified some of the spells. They changed some of the items around. They really simplified a lot of different aspects of the game because they're like, well, the Americans don't get it, so we're going to make it easier for them. <laughs> Uh, so spells, abilities, items were either removed or completely altered. Prices in the shops were lowered, so it was easier to buy things. Huh. <laughs> um, and a lot of enemies and attacks and items were just completely renamed in the original U.S. version. This did so well, they think, in the U.S. that that's actually how the Final Fantasy IV Easy Mode was based in Japan. The version, the specific version I ended up playing was the PlayStation remake on the Legacy, the Final Fantasy Legacy uh, games. This is the very, very similar to the original Japanese version, which is also the one Chris played, but he played with a fan translation, correct? Oh, I think so. Like, it, as, as far as we could tell, I was playing with a fan translation of an emulator, which, I will say, for legal purposes, I bought several versions of this yes. game before... I dug into the emulator because one of our Twitch viewers essentially shamed me into playing the original version because I had bought the Steam remake, which I think was based off the DS remake, which was a thing. Yes, the DS remake that basically also took a lot of the simplified elements, but not all of them, added a lot of yeah. the original Japanese stuff back in, but all new 3D graphics, voice acting, which was something. Oh, God. Yeah, voice acting. Overall, the PlayStation version, actually, I'm sorry, was Final Fantasy Chronicles and basically was a the Jap, original Japanese version completely retranslated. So they threw away the translation they did for Final Fantasy 2, redid a brand new translation for this version they put out in the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, and then kept all of those original things. The only thing they really added to the PlayStation version was the ability to run inside of dungeons, which is amazing. I wish I had that. I was, again, because I was playing with an emulator most of the time, I could save state all the time and did, but then I couldn't use whatever version of RetroPie that I have. The actual real save wasn't working, which was a shock 
when I lost about an hour and a half of progress when I thought I had saved and then it didn't work. So thanks, RetroPie. I think Chris has, in the replaying of the different versions as well as the lost save, you probably lost about four hours of play at various so times. So many hours. Oh my God. I talked about how in the PlayStation version, they redid the translation. They tried to make it more accurate to the original Japanese as opposed to sticking to the very Americanized Final Fantasy II. However, they did keep certain lines that have basically had become cult classics already, which again came up on our Twitch stream. The favorite among them uh, of one of our wonderful Twitch viewers and podcast listeners, as well as ended up being one of my favorite lines, is at one point one of the characters gets yelled at and he goes, you spoony bard! Spoony bard! Spoony bard! I literally, I had heard this line and did not know the context of it. Yeah. Until we literally hit it and one of our Twitch viewers like, this is my favorite line. It's like, oh my god, spoony bard is from Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 4? <laughs> So apparently that I, I appreciate that when they retranslated it, they're like, we have to keep these weird things that people love. <laughs> they are re-releasing all of these games in their 2D models soon. I believe that was announced at the most recent E3. So that's yeah. really exciting for that. If you want to go back and play these original versions and you can't get a hold of that PlayStation game copy, it's going to be released on mobile. They're calling them like the 2D pixel versions. Yeah. And they're going to be released on your phone, which we actually talked about for Final Fantasy III, made it really convenient for producer Kyle to play through it because he could just sit in bed and do it and stuff like that. And so yeah, I might be playing some of these games again on my phone as opposed to on <laughs> a system. So we'll see. Considering how many versions of this game came out, it's not surprising that it was well-received. It was very critically oh. acclaimed, of course. Most of the Final Fantasies are at this point in time, hence why it became such a legendary series that it is today. Game Rankings has an aggregated score for the game at 87%. I found a really interesting one. For these early games, we have Famitsu's panel of four critics who rate a lot of these games. So the four critics gave this game 9, 9, 10, and 8. Uh, so really, really strong score of a 36 yeah. out of 40. And it was the... Which I feel like we just realized that's yes. where that out of 40 came from. It was which... like... Thank goodness, time. because that's my personal vendetta against stupid <laughs> scoring scales. Yes. So that makes sense there. And it's the highest score awarded to any game in 1991 by then. So upon mm -hmm. release, it sold 200,000 cartridges on its first day Dang. in 1991, which is incredible. What's crazier is that is four and a half times less than what Final Fantasy V ended up selling on its first day a year later. Huh. So we'll get to that game. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy how big the games blew up even within a year back then. Also, that they could turn around those games so quickly. So quickly. So again, very, very popular, well-sold game. Yeah. It was definitely you know, staking its claim as a, a genre and a overall story and universe to play yeah it, it is establishing the final fantasy mark in the world at large so there won't be a rose tinted segment for this episode because we haven't played this game before so we're going in just blind loving the final fantasy series on its own so let's just dive into the plot katie what can you tell me about the plot it's honestly not 
as exciting as I wanted it to be. It was weird. Like, the plot was, like, flashes and... I don't know. It barely existed in my brain. So it's interesting because this is a, the third game, I would say, of the four that we've played that had a very core element that has continued on of the four elemental crystals that you have to seek out for various reasons. Yeah. And then the second time we've seen the second set of those four crystals in an underworld, that was an ongoing plot again. So it's interesting that they basically had something that they kept developing game to game to game. And I think that's one of the reasons... For you, you're like, oh, it's the crystals again, whatever. Yeah. And they kind of melted a bit in your brain versus someone who would be, especially considering how recently we've played the other games in the series, versus someone yeah. who might have been coming into the series fresh and never seeing this kind of plot before could be really, really engaging. So let's get into the actual plot before. That's kind of the general gist. We'll get into the actual plot. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's, I guess, you know, you call this Final Fantasy 2 in the U.S., so... This might not be something that people have seen before. Exactly. So you start the game off as Cecil, a dark knight who is the commander of the Red Wings, which was an Air Force aircraft group thing. I made so many hockey references. So many hockey And he, <laughs> he has brought the water crystal back to Baron, his hometown, for the king. And is not really happy about it because he's like, we killed a bunch of people for this. Was this a good idea? And the king's like, well, I told you to do it, so you did it. Do your job. And did, yeah, did the do your job. And he's like, well, since you're questioning so so much, I'm just going to, you could just deliver this package to this other town, okay? So Cecil and his best <laughs> buddy, Kane, totally not a suspicious name. We're not suspicious. Yeah, of I was going to say, that's this. Which is spelled differently in both of our games, throwing that out there. From what I could tell online, my version, the K-A-I-N version, is the correct one. Which is not the biblical version, which I feel like they were going for the biblical oh, version. absolutely going. They're alluding to the biblical version. So you and Kane decide to go to this town. Your other childhood friend, Rosa, is like, please be careful. Be careful, Cecil. And you're like, okay, babe, I will. And <laughs> I, I love how every time that there's a, a female anything in one of these games, you just go super waifish. Like, oh, tell, Cecil. Tell me I'm wrong Kane. with these and, games you're not back wrong. in the day. <laughs> and you just, you just go straight to the heart of it. Just <laughs> save me. Yeah. Save me. Yes. So, <laughs> so we're off to the town. We're delivering an object. It's a ring. And when we bring the ring to the town, it explodes the town. We kill everyone. And kills everyone. <laughs> Good God. And, Hello. And Cecil is actually very, very upset by this. And is like, I can't do this anymore. And especially when you find a young girl who's crying because her mother was just killed by you directly this time because you killed a dragon. I was going to say, we, we literally killed her mother because she was a in dragon. the form of a dragon on the way to the village. Yes. So Kane is like, well, we have to kill her. And Cecil's like, no, we can't. <laughs> and Kane's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so you decide not to kill her. Her name is Radia. She's a summoner. And that's why she, in her horror and anger summons a titan who wrecks everything you're like oh look she summons things and then kane disappears in the chaos of the summon but you and radia end up wandering around and you're like i'm gonna take care of you because i murdered your mom as you do as you do 
basically you're like, why are why is the king suddenly looking for these crystals? And it's like, oh wait, it's not the king. His new advisor, Golbez, is the one looking for these crystals, and he seems to be controlling the king. What a douche. Can't say that. Where <laughs> <laughs> can you? They they swore a lot in this game. In your say. version. <laughs> in my version, yes. In the American yeah. translation. So you find out Golbez, his advisor, is actually the one really doing all this. And he's trying to gather the crystals for a reason you are unsure of. You've been kicked out of your home. You can't go back. So you start wandering around. And there's a ton of stuff that happens here. And I'm going to go really quick for this because there's a lot of different areas that you end up visiting, basically trying to stop them from getting these crystals. You fail at every step. You literally fail all the time. This was really interesting in this plot where the collection thing was literally you going to it and just missing out. Or failing, failing. to protect it. There were a couple yeah. that you got to and still couldn't protect it. And you find out Buddy Kane has suddenly turned on you and is all about helping Golbez. And you're like, Buddy Kane, why? I never would have expected your betrayal. And he kidnaps Rosa from you at one point. But as we kind of mentioned in our trope, the reason you deal with the fact that your party members like Rosa, like Kane, have left is because you keep getting these guest party members in. So you get in an old sage named Tella, and then you eventually get in two young mages named Param and Palam. And then you get in a prince who's a bard, your Spoonie Bard. Spoonie uh, Bard. Spoonie Bard Edward. And so all these characters are coming into your party but the thing is, they also then leave your party. Cecil is the only member of your party who is consistent the whole game. Eventually, certain yeah. characters stay around with you longer, but Cecil's it. Cecil's the one who you are following the whole game. At one point, you are running around with a monk named Yang, the prince named Edward, and Radia. Who is Edward in my game? Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes, that's a fun translation. Edward Gilbert. Whatever. I was like, who's Gilbert? <laughs> Did you rename him? And Chris is like, no. Why no. would I rename him to Gilbert? Coming from the part of the podcast that renamed Cecil to Bob. With three Bs. B-O-B-B. -B. With three Bs. So yeah, so you have the monk named Yang who failed to protect his crystal. You have Radia who's traveling with you because you killed her mom. And you have Edward who failed to protect his girlfriend and a crystal. And so is traveling with you. <laughs> There's a lot of failure. You yes. hit Leviathan in the middle of the ocean. And so Cecil's alone again because everyone else has disappeared. This is when Cecil runs into the two twin mages, Param and P Palom. In Mesidia? In Mesidia. Mesidia. Yeah. Where they hated you. Where they hated you because that was the town you stole the water crystal from and murdered a bunch yes. of people. One more than the other is their problem. What? Yeah. Yeah, the murder is more of the problem. <laughs> Basically, you go there. The elder is like, you can be forgiven for your horrible misdeeds if you go to Mount Ordeals and become a paladin instead of a dark knight because you can't save the world as a dark knight. So you go to Mount Ordeals. You fight this weird entity. You do that by not hurting your counterpart. Which I sort of did by accident. I did by accident as well because... I was looking through my menu constantly trying to figure out what I needed to do. And it's like, oh, you haven't hit me. Congrats. I was like, okay. Oh, neat. Cool. <laughs> and go you become, team. Woo, go team. And so you become a paladin, which is exciting and means you had to start leveling all over again, which was not as exciting. Yeah. 
this is when you start getting more and more team members back that you had lost, Tella being the first. Then you run into Yang again and you find out that he had been brainwashed by Golbez. So you get him back. So you're slowly getting your party back. But at the end of the day, you don't save any of the four crystals. And you find this out. The twins turn themselves into permanent stone to save you. So they're gone forever. Cool. That was was rough. Yeah, it's just like... We'll save you by turning ourselves into stone. It's like, wait, what? Oh my god! Yeah, I was not happy about that. I was like, this is awful. And then, and then it's after, like, no. after I walked away, and was very sad because like children just died. Why do we kill the children? And then I was like, I just gave them a bunch of armor. Dang it! <laughs> so temporary party members. Woo! And that's the interesting thing is they felt permanent Tella I was like you already left me once before I'm not gonna worry about you Tella he stayed around longer at that point I was like no I thought the twins were the ones who were gonna stay around longer so it's kind of interesting they were too good they were too good very good they had they had too many abilities right off the bat that's how you know that it's a temporary but party that's a true member. in the long run because that we you start getting people back that have all these abilities but basically you lost all four crystals so you need to go to the underworld now to get the dark versions of the crystals instead sure flip to the underworld you still haven't saved any of the crystals they've got all, all three of the four by the <laughs> time you get down there and you try to get the fourth and yeah you meet the dwarfs they're like we're saving the fourth don't worry about it you go do the tower first and take out the tower and steal back the crystals while we guard the fourth. Well, we failed at that. So you end up getting Radia back in the underworld as well. Turns out, A, she's now adult. She's no longer a child. Yes. It turns out she had gone to the land of the summons and the summons raised her and time passed differently in the land of the summons. So she learned a ton of summons while she was there and is now an adult. So she comes back as a full adult. So you have Radia back. So that's exciting. You find out that Yang is in the underworld resting because he got knocked unconscious, but he's okay. You don't get him back in your party, but he's alive. Then you find out yes. Sid joins your party temporarily at this point. He ends up jumping off your ship and blowing himself up. Sid, who is in in the true Final Fantasy fashion, was your airship guy. Airship guy. So you met him, you met him before, and he gives you an airship and yeah, jumps out and blows himself up. So we go to the underworld. Unfortunately, down there, we fail once again. We get more party members, like we said, down there because we get Radia back. We get a new party member, another prince who is Prince of the Ninjas. His name is Edge, and he flirts with Radia, which is weird. Which just sounds like a 90s comic book character. (laughs) Yes. So we go through all that. Shock, we actually save one crystal. We do it, family. We saved the final crystal ourselves. And Kane gets brainwashed again and takes it from us. <laughs> I mean, we tried. It failed. It's a good thing that you didn't load him up with oh, a God. ton of equipment. I spent so much gill loading him up and he left. <laughs> it was so sad. So he leaves. For whatever reason, we still don't know why Golbez wants all eight crystals because it'll get him to the moon, which will get him to this eternal strong power. We don't know why, but this is what he wants. So he's building the Tower of Babel to get to the moon to get access to this power source. So we go back to the surface. We don't know what to do. The Missandians are like, hey, so we're going to pray because we think we have an answer for you. They pray, (laughs) and magically, the lunar whale shows up which is this ship 
that looks kind of like a whale that can take you to the moon. <laughs> this is your your ship that is essentially the city. Yes. That happens in every Final Fantasy game. A lot of Final Fantasy games. Not all of them have them. Yes. Yeah, fair. So, you get the big ship. It'll, it, it takes you to the moon. By the way, the, we'll the talk moon. about Sliver. There's a bunch of different ships we get in this game. A yes. bunch of different ships we take in this game. So, we go to the moon. We go to the Crystal Palace, this beautiful palace. And you meet a Lunarian, of course, a member from the moon. And he's like, oh, hey, Cecil. I know you because you have Lunarian blood. And Cecil's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, the light that I fought when I became a paladin called me son. And he's like, exactly. My brother went to the earth, had two children, and you're one of them. <laughs> and Cecil's like, surprise. Oh. So he's, so your uncle joins you and he's like, so this power source is Zenmus. So you find out from your uncle that Lunarians are these powerful race that were way evolved, of course. And so that's why they're hanging out on a moon they created. So there's a second moon, basically, that they're hanging out on till basically the humans on Earth catch up to them. And there's one guy who wasn't going to wait. His name was Zedmus. And he was tired of waiting. And, and so your uncle's like, no, you, you have to wait. He's like, I want to conquer the Earth. And they're like, no. So they locked him away. Well, that's the power source that Golbez is trying to get to. And it turns out this guy has been able to influence Golbez. He convinced Golbez, you need to release me in order for us to take over the world. So that's who you're trying to be. So you go back to Earth mm. and you're too late. <laughs> He's Just like this whole game. This whole game. The Tower of Babel has worked and they've released the giant robot of Babel. And it's this giant robot. But lo and behold, when you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just a teeny person. The tanks from the underworld show up and a bunch of airships show up and they are going to help you take out the giant. And lo and behold, everyone who was died or not around is back and helpful, including the twins, including Yang, including Edward. They all come back and are like, we're here to help. The only person who didn't come back is Tella because we actually saw him die, die from using magic. But pretty much everyone right. else is back. We did wake up Yang with uh, with a frying pan. With a frying pan. We did. <laughs> we did wake up. Because that's the thing that happened pan. in this game. And and Sid, even though he blew himself up, wasn't dead. They rescued him too. And so they they do enough to pause the robot so you can enter it and take it out from the inside. Because that's how you beat big robots. You go in. You take it out from the inside. You run into Golbez again. And your uncle is like, Golbez, stop this. Zedmus is controlling you. And he uses some special magic and Golbez wakes up. And it turns out he was brainwashed all along as well. He wasn't actually controlling himself. And the reason he was able to be controlled, he's Cecil's brother. Bom, bom, bom. I think I called that yeah, so at some point. Half Lunarian as well, which is why he was able to be controlled by the evil Lunarian. So that's how that happened. And so he's like, well, I need to make up for my misdeeds and go destroy the evil Lunarian. So he and your uncle leave. And you're like, well, I'm not going to let him do it by himself. So you follow after them back to the moon to fight, your, fight the final bad guy. At this point, this is the one time I will say I credit Rosa. Because <laughs> Cecil's a jerk. And Cecil's like, 
Rosa, get off the ship. You ain't coming to the moon. I need to protect you. And she's like, but I don't want to. And he's like, get off the ship. And so she's like, fine. So she leaves. And then they're like, Radia, you're a girl too. Get off the ship. And she's like, but I don't want to. And they're like, get off. And so they get off. Let's get rid of all our healers. Yeah, let's get rid of our magic users. That's intelligent. <laughs> and then you go up to the moon. And Kane has rejoined you because once again, he is not brainwashed once again. And you go to the moon. And lo and behold, Rosa and Radia were like, yeah, you weren't going without us. We're here deal with it. And I was like, thank you for actually not being a wimpy girl for once and being like, no, you need me. I'm coming. I don't care if I die. We're doing this. So good for you, Rosa. So we're finally in the end game. <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm, this is the end game. Finally in the end game, you go to the final palace to beat Zedmus. You get there. He's already been met up with your uncle and Golbez, who get their butts kicked, because of course they do. <laughs> then you, of course, have to go in and save the day. And lo and behold, if you're not me who died in the final battle multiple times, you save the day, <laughs> you beat the game. Zenmus is defeated. Everyone's brainwash is gone. Golbez and the uncle decide to leave with the other Lunarians because their power could not be on the Earth. It's just too, it makes the Earth too vulnerable, so they leave. Cain has to atone for all the sins he committed while brainwashed, so he wanders off on his own. But everyone else celebrates as Cecil and Rosa get married and become king and queen of Baron, their home. And that's the end of the game. I will say there was a little bit more to the story of this There's game. There's a lot more to than, the story, but... Yeah. And we didn't even talk about everything. I, I actually did not finish this game as much as it, it hurt me to not be able to finish this game. So the 24-hour stream definitely interfered because we focused so much on that and then needed a big break afterwards because I think we were Yeah, that was the out. thing. It was it was one of those, we've got so much time to play this game, and ugh, we, we just ran out of time. I really wanted to finish this game. I got all the way to the moon. The first time. And then right before, yeah, right before fighting the giant of battle, so you, whatever. Yeah, you were, basically there was like, two more areas that you had to go through. I, yeah, I was pretty close. I got to the final boss right before recording and died and was like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. Well, I I went back a couple times because as we talked about when you you lose Kane after mm -hmm. you go into the one cave, I was like, wait, I've got a bunch of side quests to do and I can't do that without Kane. So I had to go find a save state before that so i could do at least a couple side quests because there were side quests as any good final fantasy game absolutely there were a ton of side quests there was picking up summons there were picking up weapons there were things to do we did a lot of them we couldn't get to all of them but i think we this is getting into the mechanics of the game as with yeah. every rpg there's a lot going on which is both good and bad sometimes it's great because it means there's a ton to do Sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, I don't know what order to do this in and you're not really guiding me well enough. Yeah. So, for example, you didn't have to do those side quests before you lost Kane, but it was a lot harder after you lost him. Right. So it's things you like that. you lose a party member. Yeah. It's things like that that get frustrating. The other really frustrating thing I think I encountered a lot through the game is the repetitiveness of really tough battles in a row. While that is a very RPG thing. It gets really tough sometimes when you have really, really hard enemies, like five or six in a row. 
and it just burns you out. It makes it hard to keep pushing through things. And they had weird enemy, like, especially in the side quest stuff where you fought, like, uh, like a frog lady Mm -hmm. and a bunch of frogs, and they would all cast Toad. And it really wasn't a hard battle, but it was a tedious battle. Yes. And it's just like, this was fun the first time, but it, it... it kind of wore on you where it's like, all right, I just got to slog through this. Right. So, and the other thing with this game in particular, more so than some of the Final Fantasies we've played up to this point, because Cecil was the one character who stayed with you the whole time, it was really hard balancing your party when you constantly yeah. had to keep bringing new people and relearning what who has what and who can do what. So that balance got really tough. It, it almost got easier by the end because my party became really set at a certain point i think i wrote a note at some point with the party comp being so bad because you had cecil who is a knight so like you know main damage but then you had a bard and then two casters so it's like i have no barely any direct damage yeah they had the obnoxious habit of giving you party members that were significantly underleveled to where you were. And, and that which, was the other thing. There was an interesting yeah. trick early in the game. So when you first lose basically your whole party and it's just Cecil and he gets the twins with him. If you start grinding Cecil when he becomes a paladin, he comes at level one again, as I mentioned. When you grind him up, when your party members who you've had in the past come back to the party... They are at around Cecil's level. So the higher Cecil is, the better they are. That's awesome. The problem, at least both Chris and I encountered, was in our versions. Now, I believe in the easy version, this might not have been the case because our viewers who played Final Fantasy II said, oh, I don't remember it happening like that, which leads me to believe this didn't happen. That whenever they got brand new party members, they also came in at that same level. For us, Hmm. they came in at more standard level. I think they were expecting you to be at, which would be like 10 or 15 levels below where you are. So your brand new party member is dying all the time. Edge came in super low. Yes. Like he was like at least five to eight levels lower than the rest of my party when we got him. By the way, can we talk about how I thought Edge was an old man because I thought he had a beard, but it was just his bandana because he's a ninja. Because he's a ninja, so he has something covering his face. Come on. You know, I thought he was an old man. He got white hair. But and did a you white bandana. See, in my game, his, like, slang, he was all like, hey, bro, hey, lady. Like, he could start hitting on all the ladies right away. It was weird. Uh, again, the translation for my version was a little weird. There was literally a Backstreet Boys reference. reference. That was great. And half the people in this game want to sing to you when you talk to them in or town. Dance. They stop or you dance. and dance. And then one of them was a Backstreet Boys like backstreet's back and it's like is this happening right now also great thing that happened in two different towns was if you talk to certain people you got turned into a creature so like at one point you got turned into a pig which was hilarious. oh yeah when you went to missidia and they all hate you because yeah. you know you murdered all of them they're like oh hey what's up guy i don't hate you at all and then you'd walk away and you're a frog or a pig yeah it was great little things like that made me laugh uh, to yeah. be fair. 
overall in the mechanics, a lot of it was exactly what you expected in Final Fantasy game. It was turn-based combat. This is the first game with the ATB gauge being a thing. Now, it wasn't visible in the original version, so both in the version I played and Chris played. That drove me crazy. You can't see the ATB gauge, which is ATB stands for... Active Timing Battle... I don't this know. would have been a good thing to look up. No. I forgot until just now. <laughs> I was hoping you knew. I know. And this was so instead of purely, purely turn based, there's a timer for every character. And when the timer is full, that character can execute an action, which they didn't really talk about at all. And also, active time there's battle. no active. So I was right. Yeah. Mostly. Almost. <laughs> the fact that it didn't show it was incredibly frustrating because there were certain things like there was always things in old Final Fantasy games like a back attack where your formation was backwards. But this time there's like, oh, first strike or you were surprised, which essentially meant if it was a first strike. In theory, all of your ATBs were full, so you could execute an action before the other team. That didn't really happen? I'm. So, for a surprise attack where the enemies get to strike first, every single mm-hmm. enemy got to strike you before you even got to do anything. In theory, your, surpri- your first attack should have been the same. Your party should have been able to attack before their ATB gauges were filling up or whatever. That wasn't the case. In first strike. Yeah. In first strike. Almost every single time they hit me first before I even input anything, which was just (laughs) so frustrating. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I was reading, they're like, in theory, if you quickly hit fight, 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 you might beat the monsters to it. But that's not the point. I wonder if this was explained in a guide that we didn't look at. Not guide, a manual that came with the game. Maybe, but even then, I was looking it up as, like, other people listed, like, it shouldn't have been, it was just broken in this game in that theory. Like, yeah. it should not It should not have happened the well, way it Well, it's the first game that they did it, so it's not it, surprising yes, that they, exactly. you know, didn't but do that, it well. But there must have been some sort of speed attack be- or speed gauge because you had haste and slow, of course. Right. And that's, again, things that stayed in this game from other games. Fat Chocobo is back as your main source of inventory management. Oh, yeah, because, again, the inventory that you carry around is woefully small. That is a big knock that I have on a bunch of these early games where it's just like, why? What is the purpose of this? Another thing that, again, if you aren't familiar with these earlier games and you didn't check ahead of time, things like ethers aren't sold until the very end of the game. So the ones yes. you find are it. So you have to be careful with that. Just like, though this game, you could at least buy Life slash Phoenix down everywhere. So at least you had yeah. that. And you could get like tents and, and stuff like that. Cartages? So you could use those. Cart- <laughs> cartridges? And cottages slash cabins. Yes, there were ways to get MP outside of ethers. But again, the fact that ethers existed, it just in my brain, I was like, well, they must be common. They weren't common. No. I, I thought MP management was incredibly tough in this game. Oh, 
Yeah, for Fat Chocobo in my translation, which was great, it, you didn't input and take things out of the Fat Chocobo. You fed and he barfed them back up to you. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Also, the fact that he is called Fat Chocobo. You summon the Fat Chocobo. But at one point in the game, you get to a certain area and they're like, Fat Chocobo, he is the bird of the gods. Yeah. How dare you? Which was Fat Chocobo. Kind of awesome. Yeah. I enjoy that that's a thing because yeah. Fat Chocobo makes me laugh. I hate that that inventory management was there, especially because your party was so back and forth. And that was the thing. I didn't want to ever get rid of stuff, even if a party member left, because I was like, what if they come back? I need it. Yeah. And you had a certain dungeon where you couldn't carry any metal stuff. But you could use it at the end, so you literally had to carry all of your equipment in your tiny, tiny inventory. And, of course, I was trying to be, because you have limited inventory, I sold a bunch of stuff to make room, and then it was like, oh, you have to rebuy back half of that because it's the only non-metal stuff in the game. Like, Yeah. I just sold Ugh. it all. Ugh. And it, it essentially made, well, they had things like arrows and damaging items and it's like, I just got rid of those immediately. Because yeah. it's like, I cannot carry this in my inventory because I don't have enough space. Again, I hate limited inventory. I hate limited inventory. Especially when they give you so many different characters. But we see a lot of those, again, classic enemies that you run into. All the Final Fantasy games. The imps, mm-hmm. the goblins, the bombs. The bombs. The- the jelly things yes pudding slash gel slash yeah. jelly yeah all those you run into again which is again always fun it's really cool to see those yeah. kind of things always pop up again over and over again and, and at the end of the day as frustrating as it was to go through the different characters i really liked having the different classes and learning about the different classes and that was really really interesting and yeah the gameplay was relatively smooth for me at least i enjoyed playing it was yeah it was straightforward i it was interesting because the different abilities with the different classes sometimes. So, and the abilities didn't come in the original American version. And that was something that kept being pointed out to us on the stream, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because you could tell they stripped them because you can see Cecil use his dark ability in the opening animation, like opening cut scene of the game. And then you in the American version couldn't do that, which is just... Right baffling that they left it there but in our versions in the original japanese version as well as the versions we played you could have all these abilities so each class had a unique ability and those were really neat as well so it'd be things like rosa is your white mage she had prey Mm -hmm. so she could heal a very minimal amount like a cure one status but without any mp however it was a 50 50 chance she gets it or not edward had one called medicine which I used all the time. I was like, oh, this is sweet. It's an MP-free version of healing. Nope, he's using a potion in your inventory, but applying it to your entire party. Someone, like one of our followers pointed that out to me. I was like, oh my God, I've literally been burning through potions because I thought they were free healing. So I did that with the with the twins, they have a, a ability called twin where they use a really, really strong magic after like two or three turns. Yeah. And I was like, cool, really strong magic that just takes a couple turns, but no MP. No, it burns MP. <laughs> it burns so much MP. But there were things like the Dragoon Jump was one of the abilities. Yes. So, which, again, I can't imagine 
not having in the original game because a dragoon yeah. jumps. That's a thing they do. <laughs> I didn't realize Edge could steal. Yeah, he didn't steal very much. And in this game, this is the first I've noticed he could get caught. It was like he was seen and he'd get a minimal amount of damage, which I thought was really interesting. So it was these abilities made the characters unique and it gave yeah. you a lot more diversity in things you could do. So that was really nice where your ninja class normally is more of a physical character, but he had mm. magic he could use. Not a ton, but he had magic. And your paladin could use very limited white magic, which was really yeah. nice. And those kind of little lots. Your summoner had... So Radius starts with a little bit of a summon, but she can use white and black magic. Then when she gets older, she's learned so much summoning magic, she no longer can do white magic, but she does way more dark magic or black magic and summons. So it's right. little things like that that end up happening throughout the game. I thought it was interesting that the temporary characters that you frequently got, they had a ton of magic spells available to them. But their MP was incredibly limited. Like, so limited. You get the guy at the end. Fushuya or whatever? Yeah. So you get him, and it's like, oh, he knows everything, essentially, yeah. in, in black magic. But he's only got 190 MP. Which was like and a by third that time, of Rosa at that yeah, point. Yeah, like Rosa and Radia have like 500 MP at that point. So it's like, well, I guess that's a kind of interesting way on limiting these possibly overpowered characters for but sure it was almost a, a liability again i i said earlier mp management in this game was incredibly difficult because especially of... when you ended up with like three casters on your team and that was the really interesting thing for me is in the end game pretty much every guide i was reading because I, I was definitely leaning on the guides to try to complete the game as quickly as possible yeah but a lot of the bosses or harder enemies you ran into, they're like, just have your physical people hit and your healer heal and that's it. And yeah. it's like, cool, but like I have these magic users that basically aren't using magic right now because they're just either, either useless because of various abilities or reflex or anything, or actually like you, you can't use magic or you'll get wrecked because there were a lot of yeah. enemies that would reply with magic in kind and just wreck your party. Right. So there were so many enemies when you had three, ca I had three casters, two physical people, and all I could do is hit them with the physical people and then have my caster sit back and do nothing. And I was like, this is frustrating. This mm. is so frustrating that they can't do anything. Like they have all this magic, e even in the ones when I had a ton of MP, because by the end, yeah, if you had like 500 MP, you could do a decent amount of magic. Yeah. But you couldn't because... It just wasn't worth it, basically, in that style of fight. And that's really frustrating as well. By the end, I had Radia doing Bahamut, and that's it. Only spell I used constantly. Yeah. And Rosa was just healing. That's it. They just, they had one move. And that was almost disappointing. I wanted to keep them more diverse, and the game just didn't allow me to, really. Because it just didn't no. make sense to keep them diverse. It got a little frustrating with the way that they forced you into a certain party comp, and then through certain very very specific types of enemies at you which were hard to deal with unless you went about it a very specific way right and and there was definitely quite a few of those especially in the end game in the final dungeon area you had to beat these bosses in a very specific way basically and if you didn't you died and that was really frustrating because the save points weren't very prevalent there so <clears throat> you could possibly lose a lot of time in between and so yeah. that 
The other thing was the in that final area, I went in a little underleveled, I will admit, because again, I was kind of rushing by the end, so I didn't do as many of the side quests as I wanted to. So I was a probably slightly underleveled going in. However, mm. the basic monsters in that area are always going to be tough, but they were like drain your MP tough for me, which was... yeah. Again, just really, really frustrating. It was like, I am trying to use everything. And not even like because I'm attacking. A lot of it was healing. I was using all my healing MP because I just, yeah. they the enemies would do like 600 damage to me when I only have 2,000 damage total. And so that's really tough. I mean, I, I definitely loaded up on potions. Yeah, it was one of those like, you have to load up on potions because ethers were too expensive. There wasn't enough places to reload your MP. When you level up, it doesn't, refill your mp that was a very frustrating part that of the doesn't game come, and me. that's something i think we got in later games that we just didn't realize didn't happen in earlier games because that didn't happen yeah. in any of the games thus far i look forward to the day that that starts happening in these games yeah. but i want to take a step back we've been really talking about the things that frustrate us about this game i really liked it i had a lot of fun i know you said the plot was a bit convoluted i still had a lot of fun the characters were fun actually like i really enjoyed the characters you ran into they were yeah the characters were written very well it had personality yeah this was not interchangeable characters even your main character Cecil, no. had a personality he was not your blank slate kind of character he had characteristics which was really nice and i loved that they put personality into these characters i loved the feeling of the world that they created and the way they built up these worlds it was really really well done and at the end, the gameplay was relatively smooth. I Again, coming as someone who's played a lot of RPGs, of course, helps. But it felt natural to just fall into this game. I thought the gameplay was smooth. I thought the game design might have left some things to be desired. The music was great, as always. Like, such oh, good yeah. music again. And I am still going to go back and finish the game. I really need to finish the game, yeah. I will likely stream the final battle. That's what I'll do. I'll stream my final battle. It probably will take me a couple times, so that'll happen after this episode comes out. But I'll stream yep. the final battle. And that's kind of the point. I want to go back to this game. There were a lot of things that frustrating. The management of your uh, equipment was annoying because you had to click into a character and you couldn't tab through your characters like you could in oh, other older that, games. That drove me crazy. You, you can't hit the do, shoulder buttons to switch characters. You can't hit the shoulder characters. buttons to switch characters, which in other older games you could. And you couldn't double up a magic or an item. You'd have yeah. to do one at a time and it'd take you back out of the menu. And then you'd have to click yep. back in and then take... It was it was a weird thing where, like, producer Lisa hates when I use this phrase, but, like, the quality of life stuff, it seemed like it took a step back in some from... Of those. And that shocked me because, again, earlier yeah. fantasies did it. And I was like, what is yeah. happening? <laughs> Why did you make this game more of a pain in the butt to navigate through menus? That was another thing that I, I kind of hold against this game is the, the menu system was, was incredibly frustrating with, with having to go out every time you cast a spell. And, yeah. But the game story I liked, yeah. mostly the mechanics I liked. There are, there are bits and pieces, but overall... It was a fun game. We can joke about how long it took us to get through the plot because it was very convoluted at times, and we missed out a lot. We missed a yeah. lot of pieces of this plot. But it was fun, and again, the characters were interesting, and I wasn't getting characters confused for each other because they had unique personalities. They had something yeah. different about each of them. Their, their character models were very distinct. Even the NPCs. And their, their play style yeah, and their NPCs was very distinct. were interesting. Like, you had personalities mm. like... 
see, uh, like Yang's wife was the one's like, oh, you can't get him awake. Here's my frying pan to hit him. Yeah. Like that's hilarious. You yeah. had you had Sid's assistants at one point being like, oh, isn't he so annoying? I wish he wasn't around when you think he's dead. He, they're like, wish he wasn't around, yeah. but he'll never die. Uh, wop, wop. He just blew himself up, we think. But he didn't, so it's fine. But that's my point. Those little things were really, really fun in this game. So I really enjoyed it. So I think it's time for scores. Chris, what's your final score? This is really hard for me because I know the bones of a really fun game are there. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Only because the story was interesting. The mechanics of the game were pretty straightforward. But I really think the balance and design pieces here and there with the the MP management was hard. The You need to carry so much in your inventory, but your inventory space is so limited. Those were very incredibly frustrating pieces. And, like, again, I enjoyed playing the game. I thought there were some poor decisions made in design and implementation. Yeah. What about you? What is your score for this game? I have to agree that a 7.5 is what I think this game deserves at this point in time. We say we give these critiques based on how we feel now and in comparison to modern games, and you can only do that to a certain extent, mm -hmm. but I'm almost critiquing this game more in certain ways because they took away things they had in older games. Yeah. That drives me crazy. You had these elements in older games and you took it away. That makes no sense to me. There was frustration in this game as well. While some of it has to do with our timelines that when we try to get these games done by, we feel a bit rushed. But I was telling producer Kyle, yeah. I was like, I would be frustrated with this game right now, no matter how much time I had left because of the way it feels. Because I'm running into walls of, I can't beat this boss because I need to do the exact correct input in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. And that drives me crazy. Yeah. But I still had a lot of fun. I liked the characters. I liked the I plot relatively. I enjoyed a lot of the game, but there are a lot of things that really held it back. Yeah. Some of these might've been improved already in some of the newest versions, but we played versions that came out a decade after the original, but that's still yeah. th two decades ago. <laughs> so that's our take. Again, we've left out a ton of stuff on Final Fantasy IV. You can hear a lot about oh, it yeah. if you watch back some of our playthroughs of the game on Twitch. As I said, I think both of us will probably play a little bit more on Twitch. It's very likely you'll see us again, so we can talk more there. So join us over there if you would like to talk a little bit more in depth. If you want to tell us we're absolutely wrong about some of our takes, come tell us on Twitch. Which some of our followers do. And will. Where can you where can you find us on Twitch, Katie? You can find us at GWGW Show. And that's where you can find us on pretty much all social media. But Chris... For our, as we said, one-year anniversary episode, we've been doing this podcast for a year, coming up on the next episode. It comes out in two weeks. Dang! What game are we playing? It's not a game. It's two games, because <gasps> we're playing Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic 2. And we have a special guest. Special guest! Yay! Yay! So join us in two weeks for Sonic and Sonic the Hedgehog. Join us on social media for other games. Big thanks to all of our listeners. Big thanks to all of our watchers on Twitch, all of our subscribers on Twitch. It, it makes it so much more fun to hang out with you guys when we're playing and getting the feedback from all of our listeners. 
Yeah, it, it's great. We love hearing from you all. Your stuff gets incorporated in the podcast if you reach out to us. So reach out to us and you could be podcast famous. Ooh. Mm. Oh, that's right. One of our uh, friends of the podcast referred to... Oh, Fushuya? Yeah. Yeah, Fushuya, when he dies, looks like a, quote, melted jelly bean. He does. So there you go. Hang out with us on Twitch and you can get your random quote onto the podcast. Onto the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in two weeks and say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Ooh.